Hey, I'm Shamar. And I'm Andrew. We're going to be doing a deep dive on all the connected DC animated movies in their cinematic universe. Yes, I'm here to discuss the interconnected storylines and point out how jacked everybody is. And I'm here to share deep comic book knowledge like Batman having his own sneaker line. So check out yet another DC animated podcast. Part of the Forgotten Entertainment family and coming soon wherever you listen to your podcast. Hey there, I'm Mr. Black. And I'm Mr. Green. And we're a couple of guys who met in a comic book store. Together, we host the Pint O' Comics podcast, where we invite listeners to join us to talk about movies, TV, comics, music, or just whatever. Starting very soon, we'll be joining up with the fine folks at Forgotten Entertainment for a special limited series called On the QT, where we talk Tarantino. Every week for 10 weeks, a guest will join us to chat about every Quentin Tarantino movie from Reservoir Dogs to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So join us starting in May 2021. On the QT is available wherever you download your podcasts and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ooh, that's a bingo. Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. Forgotten Cinema is now looking for a new co-host to join myself, Mike Field, because Mike Butler's a bitch. Cooper Revenge is coming. This is my town. Oh, no, Which is, I would love you, to do a James Bond. I'll, I'll do it right now. Cancel the other podcast. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> what about all these women? These are all women, beautiful women. Where are the regular women? <laughs> and he's like, it's Los Angeles. Is this the movie that's going to end the show? It's going to end the podcast? Because <laughs> this movie, like, I cannot, I cannot tell people to watch this movie. Like, I will not. This movie is not good. You get the hell off this podcast. <laughs> Let's take it to the limit one more time. Hi, I'm Mike Field. No, I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast, Season 9, the season of summer. Each episode this season, we're highlighting a film that had a coveted summer release date, but for a variety of reasons, was forgotten or straight up ignored by audiences. Whether it was because it was pitted against a tentpole film, or it was given a limited release run to fill out a studio schedule. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, or perhaps don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, we want to hear from you. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Find us. Our podcast is available on all platforms with a backlog of 100 episodes for your listening pleasure. We are near the end almost, Butler. The penultimate episode. The penultimate. Of the summer. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and I guess we're doing one of your favorite movies of all time. Yes. As you uh, put down the Instagram story 10 weeks ago that nobody will remember when they listen to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing, Butler? We are doing the 2004 film Layer Cake. Uh, the synopsis is as follows. 2004 film. Interesting. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> An unnamed mid-level cocaine dealer in London, makes plans to step away from the criminal life. Before he can cut ties, the dealer supplier, Jimmy Price, draws him into a complicated pair of jobs involving kidnapping the teenage daughter of a rival gangster and brokering the purchase of a large shipment of ecstasy pills from a dealer known as The Duke, leading to a series of elaborate double crosses from all corners. Nice, nice. Now, you said the 2004. It So this is where we're going to get into some... Uh some weirdness. Some stuff. All right, because it was a 2004 movie in England, but it got a limited release in the summer uh, of May 13th, 2005. So, so that's why that, that, so that's why we have a discrepancy here, but, but I thought I've explained it. We'll move on. Larry Cake has a, has a runtime of 105 <laughs> minutes. It's rated R, had a production budget of $6.5 million or 4 million pounds. 
Uh, opening weekend, it did $81,000. Remember, I said it was a limited release. Mm-hmm. Domestic, $2.3 million, And then worldwide, $11.9 million. Uh, that domestic is our domestic. On obvious, obviously, internationally, it did better. Uh, production company was Marv Films and Ska Films, distributed by Columbia Pictures Internationally. And in, on the uh, U.S. soil, it was distributed by Sony Pictures Classic. So I said before that its release date was May 13th, 2005. You had it going up against in, in wide releases, Kicking and Screaming, the Will Ferrell teach, uh, coaches soccer movie. Monster-in-Law, I believe that's with Jane Fonda and Jennifer Lopez, Indeed. if I'm not mistaken. Unleashed, the Jet Li uh, f- kind of like blood sport fighting movie, I guess. And then mine hunters, not to be confused with the fantastic David Fincher series, mine hunter on Netflix. But in fact, mine hunters with Val Kilmer. Um, yeah. If the, the look on Butler's they're like in the Arctic the, and they're like, yeah, it's scanning for a serial killer, but they're kind of psychic, right? Forgettable mine hunters. Yeah. Uh, so the week after, I think, I mean, not that this movie was, was up against anything, but, you could probably figure out why nothing made any money because the week after on May 19th, Butler's birthday. Yeah, hey, you remembered. What came out? 2005. Five. This uh, Revenge of the Sith. Episode three, Revenge of the Sith came out on, the, on a Thursday. And then the Friday after you had a limited release of, they now call it Dominion, but it was The Exorcist 3. So I don't know why we've just kind of retconned that. <laughs> but uh, yes, yeah, so you had Revenge of the Sith that opening weekend, which probably blew everything out of the water. Uh, the week before May 6th, you had Kingdom of Heaven, House of Wax, and Crash, and then the limited release Mysterious Skin. So basically, I don't think anything was put in May because they knew what was coming, which was episode three. Right. This movie is directed by Matthew Vaughn, who has also done Stardust, Kick-Ass, and most all the Kingsman movies. Written by J.J. Connolly. It's based on his own novel, which is also called Layer Cake. This is actually the only script he's got a credit for, but they, there's a sequel to this book. I don't know if you knew that. I did know that. Called, and they tried to make it a movie. Well, there's a sequel to this book called Viva La Madness, which I'm going to tell you right now, if you're confused about what happened at the end of this movie, if you want to read Viva La Madness, clearly he survives. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Statham's production company owns the rights to the movie, which he's going to supposedly do, but it's also being developed as a TV show uh, overseas. So I don't know if it's coming or because I read I saw it was in like pre-production, but it's who knows these days with pre-production because, you know, it's, you know, everything's been pushed back. Well, it's uh, the Jason Statham thing has been it's been there for a while. Right. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Who knows if he's ever going to do it. And I doubt you're going to have anybody come back from this movie to be in that. So yeah, this gonna, time gonna, it's too yeah, far. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you cinematography by Ben Davis. Uh, he has done the debt and he's done a ton of Marvel movies, Dr. Strange, <laughs> Captain Marvel, Guardians of the Galaxy and Avengers age of Ultron. I know who Ben Davis is from the other podcast. I, I had done that wrapped up, which was yet another MCU podcast. Cause every time we did a show, it's like, Oh, Ben Davis again. All right, here we go. <laughs> Composer, two composers, Ilan Ishkari. I hope I said that name right. And Lisa Gerard. Ash Carey has done Hannibal Rising, 47 Ronin, and Still Alice, to name a few. And Gerard is in Gladiator, Ali, and Whale Rider. Edited by John Harris, who was nominated for an Oscar for editing for 127 hours. He's also done The Descent and Yesterday. And then produced by Adam Bowling, David Reed, and then Vaughn again. Bowling has done Rocketman, The Kingsman, and Eddie Eagle. They actually have all, all three of these guys have produced all their own movies. Vaughn is actually a producer, worked alongside Guy Ritchie, which makes sense when he watches movies. Right. He's produced uh, Snatch, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, and, and, a, and a couple, I think he did Swept Away as well. He did. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Craig plays 
no name. Mr. X. Mr. Forex, quadruple X. Yeah. Uh, we obviously know that Daniel Craig is James Bond because obviously Butler will have this movie what? This movie is what? Had the the Broccoli's who are the producers of, or yeah. Michael Wilson and Barbara Broccoli are the producers of James Bond. And they saw this movie and they were like, that's our new James Bond. Right. right they, they, they were intrigued by Daniel Craig in this movie to become, for him to become 007. And you can definitely see there are moments in this movie where it's like, that's probably one of the moments and that's probably one of the moments. Sure. And obviously, you know him from Knives Out and the Knives Out uh, 80 sequels that are going to be on Netflix soon. <laughs> he was also uh, one of the bad guys in Lara Croft Tomb Raider, the Angelina Jolie movie. He's in a movie called Sylvia with Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, he's in a movie that I absolutely love, Munich. If you haven't seen it, you should. Uh, Call Meanie as Gene. Uh, we have a big time Star Trek connection here, Butler. And it's sad to say that I know as well because I've been watching The Next That's Generation. Right. <laughs> uh, he's also in Deep Space Nine, which uh, our friend Greg's trying to get me to watch. We'll, we'll just we'll slow his role right there. Uh, <laughs> he's in Con Air, Far and Away, and The Commitments. George Harris as Morty. And I got to tell you, I'm ticked off that I didn't know that this is uh, this guy played Katanga in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. I, I, read, I read that note and I was like, damn it. <laughs> So, uh, yes, he plays Katanga in Razor Lost Ark. He's also in Flash Gordon. And I can't remember the name of the character in Harry Potter that he plays, but he's in the last like four. So he's a Shacklebot or Shacklebolt or something like that. I can't remember his name. First uh, name. I think I kind of. OK. Yeah. Kenneth Grenham as Jimmy Price. Uh, for all you horror fans out there, he's in Hellbound, Hellraiser 2. He's also in Hot Fuzz and the movie Valkyrie, which we did on uh, season one. Right. Yes. Yeah, wow. One. Michael Gambon is Eddie Temple. He's uh, in a ton of stuff, including The Insider, Gosford Park, and a movie that we did, Open Range. He's also in the TV show uh, Fortitude, which uh, I really love. So, Fortitude's cool, yep. Yeah, it's very scary, very creepy. Uh, Jamie Foreman as the Duke, or Duke. Uh, he is in the TV show EastEnders, Nil by Mouth, which is a movie that was written and directed by Gary Oldman, and a movie called Ironclad. Sally Hawkins, which I did not recognize her as the girl, Slasher. Her name's Slasher in this. Yeah, did not she's recognize real, like... Her. Kind of London punked up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely did not recognize her. She is in the movie Paddington. She's also been nominated for two Oscars for the one for Blue Jasmine and the other for The Shape of the Shape of Water. Burn Gorman as Gaza. Uh, Butler knows him from the Expanse TV show. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I know as well from that and from Torchwood. Yep. Uh, he's also in Enola Holmes and Pacific Rim. Uh, ben Wishaw as Sydney. Um, he is in the last season, those is previous season of Fargo. He's also in Mary Poppins Returns, and he's the voice of Paddington in the Paddington movie series. And he's Q. And he's Q, you're Which right. Which I didn't and, realize yep, until yep. I watched it this time. I was like, oh shit, Q and uh, James Bond are in a movie together. Yep. I didn't even realize it was Ben Wishaw. Uh, Sienna Miller as Tammy. She's an American sniper. G.I. Joe, Rise of Cobra and 21 Bridges. Oh, such a good movie. Oh boy. Dexter <laughs> Fletcher as Cody. He's in Bohemian Rhapsody, Rocket Man, and Revolution. It's Revolution again. It's Al Pacino's, uh, this Al Pacino American Re uh, Revolution movie just keeps rearing its head. I love it. Made him quit almost. And then I got a couple of, uh, <laughs> well, made him take a break. Absolutely. Yeah. Then I got a couple credits here that I wanted to just kind of run by you. So okay. uh, the guy who plays Dragon is actually, his name is Dragon. In real life, <laughs> Dragon Mikanovich, I believe. Then there's a there's a credit for Cocaine Girl. Can you imagine telling your parents that hey, I'm Cocaine Girl? I made it. Movie. I made it, Ma. I made it. So then there's a, then there's just credit for the name. The person is Kinky Carrie, and their credit is Couple Having Sex. So I'm asking you, is that one person? Is that two people? I don't get that. I don't. I don't. Get I don't that. know either. Yeah. No, I was really weird. For, I was like, what the? I don't and, understand. And that. where would that? In the club, in the flashback, maybe. I don't remember. I can't now. think of. Yeah. 
It's probably the no, not the in yeah when Duke and Slasher are watching the couple, uh, it, like they're in like one of those peep booths. Oh, I forgot. Okay, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, I forgot yeah, about that. Yep. You know, doing stand up stuff. <laughs> uh, so Butler loves this movie. So I'll maybe I'll let him kick us off, which I usually do anyways, because I'm, I'm running through facts constantly. I will say that this movie that Vaughn was nominated for a BAFTA for most promising newcomer off of this movie did not win. So, you know, boom, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but uh, Butler, what do you um, I guess this is when's the last time you watched this? Um. Two years ago, maybe. Okay, because I have not watched it since the theater. Oh, I, I've I've watched this movie a ton of times. I think there's there's not much I don't like about this film. I think the acting is really the standout thing for me in this film. I think, and the dialogue goes along with that. I think that it's really, really well written. I think that it's really, really well performed, and that's what kind of keeps you glued to the screen. And that's what keeps me coming back and watching it each time is is watching all these performers and these these names and these are some fantastic British actors. Uh, just at the top of their game. I think they all act fantastically. And I think it's something to watch if you're an actor to see people's performances in this and to carry on dialogue. Like Daniel Craig's character doesn't even have a name and and the clever way that it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he goes around and he carries this film even though he's not... Um, he's smart because he creates all these plans, but he's also outsmarted constantly. He's always... He's not a tough guy. He's not, you know, even though this is what got him James Bond, he's not, you know, the guy that carries the gun. He doesn't like guns. He doesn't like fighting. He doesn't like violence. He's just kind of a businessman doing his thing. Um, And he's kind of in over his head. And I think he plays that role really well. I think Colmini as Gene is fantastic. And Jimmy Price, I think, uh, Kenneth Cranham, he's just really, really good as Jimmy Price. Like he just plays this dirt bag really really well <laughs> and obviously to see uh uh, uh um, 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 um well i should say that i forgot to mention <laughs> that tom hardy's in this movie as well but he's like a young time and wasn't he wasn't in that long so i was like i'm not giving him credit yeah he's he's barely in the movie he he's- plays venom in uh venom 2 which if you've seen that trailer oof <laughs> <laughs> you're on breakfast field oh, gosh i don't want to start talking about that but yeah who are you trying to think of fucking dumbledore Oh, Michael Gambon. Michael Gambon. I can't. Jesus. Couldn't even see him in this thing. And Michael Gambon, I think, just is also really, really fantastic in this film and delivers that monologue at the end about the layer cake. Oh, I, yeah. I think that's a great scene as well. But even Matthew Vaughn, this is his first directing gig. And it's not like it would have been really easy for him to just copy Guy Ritchie's style. Well, he kind of does he a does little. He does a little, but he does make it his own. And the lighting and the color and all that for I, a first directing effort, it's really well done. I don't think he copies it. I think he's probably just has the same sensibilities of uh, that Ritchie has. Ritchie is really, it's almost like he is 70% style uh, on the screen, which is not a bad thing because Snatch is a really good film and that's and that's all about the style and, and whatnot. Right. Vaughn uh, uh, does have that style. I think the King, Kingsman movies have more style than this kind of this movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, he does have it, but those it works. It's not it's just a style of how we it's just a style of filmmaking. That's all it is. It's like like with Tony Scott and how he makes his film. So, no, I don't I don't have a problem with it because it's a it's a vision. So it's like they. Yeah, they've chosen to do this. You know what you're getting into when you walk into those movies. Right. You know what I mean? They have a clear, this is how I tell stories. And you may not like it, but it doesn't mean you can't respect it. But I, in fact, I both. I like both. I like it and I respect it. I don't mind it. Right. So, yeah. I mean, it's not like if Richie or Vaughn were going to turn around and do like a romantic comedy and they shoot it like an action movie, like like that might be a little bit off-putting, but right. that's not what they're doing. That's not the type of show, that, the movie they're doing. Oh, for sure. Guy right. Richie also has a habit of being very... 
um, telling his movies out of sequence, and that's kind of his thing. Oh, like which, non-linear, yeah, yeah. Which yeah, yep. for this movie would have been really easy to do with all the double crosses. And you could have, yeah. Um, and and I like that Matthew Vaughn is like, well, no, let's make. I want to make my own thing. I know he purposely didn't put a lot of comedy in this, even though there was a lot of comedy in the original script, which was four hundred and something pages. Four hundred and eight, yep. yeah. First draft of the screenplay. <laughs> Imagine hand that in thinking that they're going to say like, yeah, no, awesome. Let's do it. Yeah, it makes sense if you're the writer of the book, though. It's like, I don't want to cut that. I like, like this. I, I like this. I don't mind if he puts, he's like, listen, this is 408 pages. It's, I understand it's got to be cut, but tell me where. Like, I get that. Right. But like, I, I can't picture him being like, boom, John, <laughs> let's shoot this. Did you just hand me the Bible? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> get to work. I think um, when I was watching, because I have the Blu-ray, one of the things is Matthew Vaughn talking about. Yeah, JJ Connolly was in the audience during this talk back. I don't know if you watched. No, the, I don't have the so Blu-ray. Goes, so well, I didn't know if it was on YouTube or not, but he basically uh, no. he goes, he handed me a 400 and something, uh, 408 page script. And I go, that's great, John, uh, JJ. Now, if you can uh, t- pick that down by like 300 pages, I can actually work something out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Guy Ritchie was going to direct this, though. He, but was he dropped he? out. Apparently he was slated to direct it now that might have been like a verbal commitment yeah sure i'll do it and he was probably never meant to but i did have that note there so then and i mean you could say that this 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 movie obviously it's it's funny like you watch this movie and you're like wow this is the movie that made matthew vaughn and then he turns around to stardust and you're like oof. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta make that's his foot in hollywood though i mean that's no i get what it got. yeah i get it I, that's why he he was in he stepped out of wolverine right he was going, he did, he did kick ass and then right. he was going to do the Wolverine one, one of them, which well, one he did X-Men first class, but then he was going to do the Wolverine movie. Was wasn't he? he? The Wolverine? And then he, he backed out of that. That would have been the Japanese one. Yeah. Probably then. Yeah. Yes. I believe that was the one he backed out of. Yeah. Um, and then he went in to do Kingsman, which is probably the better choice. So good job. Oh yeah. He's been killing it with the Kingsman movies. Of course. Well, with two of them, who knows how the King's Man is because uh, it's it been delayed good. a thousand. Well, that's times. not that's not the King's Man's fault. That's uh, that's that's coronavirus. I know. I just don't know <laughs> when we want. When when is that coming up? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I talked about what I liked about this movie and stuff like that. Um, but I'm interested since you haven't seen it since the theaters. Right, right, right. What do you think about this movie? I mean, we all know that I that this is one of my favorite movies. Sure, 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 so sure. What 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 are your thoughts on this movie? I enjoy the movie. I enjoy some of the, I enjoy the action. I enjoy the dialogue. Um, I will say that there are some things in the beginning that um, just story elements that not that it confused me, but I didn't, I I think maybe I needed a couple more scenes with uh, just to kind of figure things out. Like they set up uh, Daniel Craig's character. What should we call him? Unnamed or Mr. X. Mr. X. They set up Mr. X as, you know, he has that thing. He's like, always be ready. He he does that quote where he's like, in the time of peace, plan for war, that all that stuff. He's got, right. which is not he uh, he attributes it to Roman. It's not. It's Chinese. It's from the art of war. But regardless, <laughs> he makes it seem like he is somebody that's always thinking, always prepared. And and, and right. yes, I know at the end of the week, everything does kind of come out. But it's maybe I, my expectation was that it was going to be a little bit more calculated and just, he always was a step ahead. Like, cause there's times when he gets the crap kicked out of him by Gene. Right. Yeah. Like where I didn't get that sense, but that might just be my expectation. I don't, I'm not throwing that at the feet of the movie. That's just me. Um, And I, for some reason I had recollection of that Gene was the bad guy. And it's probably just because he beats him up. Oh yeah. I probably just, I don't know. I couldn't remember I knew that, and you know, for those, we're going to spoil the movie. I knew that at the end of the movie, he gets shot. I just, I, for some reason, I thought that Gene was there who did it or 
I didn't, I forgot like what exactly happened. Well, Gene beats him up, but Gene also says later on, you know, if, if this doesn't come through, if you can't get these pills sold, you know, I'll come and I'll fucking kill you. No, I know. Yeah, I get, but then he calls him boss. You know, like, like he's the, he's the boss because he killed Jimmy. I think because he killed Jimmy and because he's the man with the plan, he right. got them all this money. He's sitting on top of all these pills. Mm-hmm. Gene was never the boss. Gene is the middleman. He's the ex muscle kind of. Right. I mean, the, the whole thing is that they find out that Jimmy is an informant, which I, I don't, here's the thing. I don't just get this. You, maybe you can tell me where I'm wrong here, but I don't get the rationale for Jimmy to give up um, Mr. X to like give him to the cops. Like here, I got another one for you because he's making him so much money because he knows he's going to retire. He says that in the recording, right? You know, he thinks he's going to get out of this business. You know, he's a right prick or something like but that. But you can't just have one better. of his men step in and do it for him. It doesn't, you know what I mean? I mean, I get it. Maybe right. Jimmy's just not thinking right. He's an idiot. Well, Jimmy, yeah. Yeah. You know, cause you would have like, I, and I can't remember Tom Hardy's character's name, but you could just have Tom Hardy's character step in and do it. I think he's clerky. Yeah. He could do it. Like you don't, I mean, just because he's retiring doesn't mean that this, the operation runs down. You know what I mean? Well, I think that's that's why he's trying to give him up. But also, yeah. Jimmy, whole, the whole thing is Jimmy's going to go to jail anyway. Who cares about the operation? He, oh, so he reform. was getting pinched anyways. Yeah, Jimmy was doing this to turn state evidence so he doesn't get as much oh, I th- Okay, I thought he was just Oh, just giving him up to give him up. Yeah. No, 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 no. What did they get him on? Who knows? Jimmy's such okay. a moron. I, I don't think that's explained. I think when uh, Temple shows him the tape, he's just like, hey, you think Jimmy's your friend? Here's here's the real Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And then you have the and, and the Eddie Temple subplot is another kind of like congruent plot along with the plot to set up Mr. X, where it's like, I need you to go find Eddie Temple's daughter um, because whatever. You know, he, he thinks it's just to protect her from drugs. He thinks but, Eddie Temple yeah, wants her found. But it's to it's to kidnap her. But then like we never find her and it kind of like tails off. So what, I, what I'm saying is I think there's a lot of stuff that was in the book that probably had to you had to lose. Right. And, and again, the movie's good. So I'm not, it's, I, I'm not really, I'm probably like nitpicking a little bit, but there were some things that loose threads that I just kind of like, I had questions about and just kind of character motivations that I was just like, like we lose Morty for like 45 minutes of the movie. I, I've always thought that was a little awkward. Obviously it's because of his past with that guy who gave him up. Right. Um, but it does kind of like, you want to see what, where he went or what was going right. on. And he just comes back randomly. Mm-hmm. It just seems a little Odd, and that's definitely something that was cut from the book. I'm the, sure. Right. The stuff with dragon hunting them. He's, he was fooled enough to believe that the police confiscated the pills, but they didn't. But you would right. think that if they're, you would think at some point they're going to figure that out. You know what I mean? The Serbians are going to figure that out. Oh, that their pills are being sold. Yeah. Elsewhere. Whatever. It's just, right. it's stuff like that. It's stuff that the movie is good enough to overcome those loose threads but i think maybe if the movie maybe if it wasn't good action or there wasn't good dialogue or you didn't like the characters like if there was little cracks in that armor right i think you could probably come around and be like okay well what about this stuff but because the movie is so successful in what it's doing i think you're able to look beyond that no movie's perfect i right. I, I understand that no movie's perfect so but it's you almost it's like just be good 75 percent of the time we'll, <laughs> we'll be we'll forgive the 25 percent. that's all that was stuff like that that was kind of like all right, you know, okay, you know. Yeah, they kind of solve the things like Eddie Temple says, you know, if I wanted my daughter found, she'd be found and I right. wouldn't be hiring an idiot like you. Yeah. Um. So that kind of puts it away. Like he knows where she is. So she's obviously safe. So mm-hmm, boom, mm-hmm. end of that subplot. But you'd like some kind of wrap up because you were investigating that. You were kind of invested in this. One of these two 
missions that Mr. X was put on. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of the pills, all you get is the fact that where the pills, uh, oh, well, they're gone. Yeah. And they zoom in and show all the billions and billions of pills being made. So it's like clearly nothing to them. Right. But it would be nice to like see like how are they going to get the pills out there without getting caught by the Serbs. They were going, I mean, you've got Serbs in London, you know, yeah, eventually you're going to see these pills on the market that you didn't sell. Right. You're going to know where they're coming from. I mean, like there's still that stuff that's, that's left unsaid. Hey, it looks like we're about midway through the episode. You know what that means? It's sponsor time. You're a little too excited. Uh, sorry. Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add our podcast in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. Uh, let's talk about the ending because the ending wasn't going to, Sony didn't want that ending. No, they had filmed, there's three different endings. That yeah, filmed. go ahead. So the ending that we get is, uh, Ben Wishaw's character, Sydney, Sydney, who, uh, was the boyfriend of Tammy. That was awfully quick as well. That whole, the Tammy that's, stuff. That's just tagged on to be like, we need some sexiness in here. Yeah. Some, which is weird but again, because she gets like top billing in the film. Well, she's Sienna Miller. I, I know, but it's like Dana Craig, Sienna Miller. Well, well, here's a, but here's the thing. She is the only uh, female besides Sally Hawkins, who's really an, a supporting character. Right. There's no females in this movie. So that's why she gets top bill. You got to throw in Tammy, whose relationship yeah. with Mr. X just kind of goes from zero to a hundred, like real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, that probably is bigger and more fleshed out on the 408 version of the screenplay. <laughs> but Sydney's jealous of of Tammy. Obviously, knows Tammy's kind of stepping out on him. And when Daniel Craig has all his people assembled and he's retired, and he's like, uh, you know, what's my name? If you could find out, you'd be as clever as me. And he walks away thinking he's outsmarted everybody. Yeah, and, then he and here's the idiot Sydney comes up and shoots him right in the chest and runs off. Yeah, saying sorry, real convenient. Yeah, he just shows up, but all right, and then just runs away and leaves Tammy like holding Daniel Craig's bloody body while the song plays at the end, which is the music in the film is really well, like. He picked out some good tracks in the film. Gotcha. But I guess the studio didn't like that ending. So there's also an ending where he says his line, gets in a car and drives, drives off. off in the sunset. Yep. There's another ending where he gets in the car, drives off. But Sydney's waiting in the parking lot with a gun and follows their car out the driveway. And that's how it ends. Oh, that's interesting. So it's almost like splitting it down the middle. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll meet you halfway. Well, my question to you is, do you like the ending? No, because I, I yeah, you, you you like the character of of Mr. X. You want to see him succeed. I mean, but he is a bad guy. He's a drug dealer. I mean, he doesn't like violence and stuff like that. And he does say, you know, everything's going to be legal at some point. But he's still working with criminals in a criminal underworld. You know, you can't get off scot free. Right. But you know, it does suck that your main character gets shot. But at the same time, it's a nice shocking ending, and it shows that however clever you think you are, you know, something can come, always come back up and get you. Yeah, so I don't. I'm not a huge fan of it because it feels like it's put in there to be like, oh man, we're we're awesome, we're shocking, yeah, yeah. We're cool, like oh we've got you. It's like, it feels like that, but also I don't buy that his character. I don't know enough of his character in this movie to buy the fact that he's going to retire. Like he was like, I'm going to get out. I'm going to get out. But like you're now the boss. Well, that's of what the Eddie whole Temple said. Yeah. Thing. It's like. You're, you're, you're no way you're getting out. Retiring. You're not retiring. It's in your blood. You've only just started. Right. And there's no way that 
Eddie Temple's going to find out what, what happened. He's going to find out what you did. Cause right. we're assuming that Eddie Temple did not get shot. It's just the packages. They got stopped. Oh yeah. Um, I doubt Eddie Temple was right. with that. Package. So he's yeah. going to know that it was you. So even yeah. if you do retire, he's coming after you. So I'm sorry, but I don't, I don't believe. And that's just because I don't, I didn't get enough of Mr. Rex in the movie to believe that uh, he, that in the face of running the whole business and going and being Jimmy Price now right. and going to probably have a palatial estate and be this bad guy, be this, the boss of everything. And he's just going to walk away. I don't, I don't get that. So I don't really buy that. And then, like I said, the ending where he shoots him, it's just like, man, that's a little like, Ooh, look what we did. And <laughs> I believe it more if he went to a meet. And he got shot by somebody because they don't they don't set up the Sydney Tammy thing in terms of how he's jealous and how he, you know, only what I don't like you answering the phone. Like, you never. Yeah, get there's that. not a whole lot of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's in there. It's fine. Uh, it, whatever. The movie I, wraps I itself up, so it. it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, that's all. I, I mean, just don't prefer that. The uh, second book and the uh, the subsequent sequel, I guess, is supposed to be Mr. X is on an island. He's he's retired. They he's pull in the him Caribbean, back. Yeah. And he's like somebody who's their connection there gets killed or something. So they bring him and pull him back into right. the world. Which when I read the, when I read that, I'm like, Oh, so uh, he's alive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I don't know if the book ends with him getting shot or not. Uh, I don't know either, but I mean, if the screenwriter wrote the, wrote it, I, mean, right. I would think that, well, maybe it doesn't though. I mean, have you ever been thought about going back and reading the book? I have all, yeah, I've thought about that a bunch going back and reading the book, but I have not yet, mm -hmm. but I should. Cause I like I like the movie enough. And if it's written by the same guy who, you know, wrote the movie and book. I guess one of the things different from the book to the movie is the scene with the sniper when they're in the bushes and they're, they've got their eyesight on the, the tourist. Right. Like in the book, he act, they actually shoot the tourist because they think it's dragon. I and, think that would have made for, I mean, obviously that puts another complication into it. Yeah. But I think that would have made a much more interesting scene. Like Sony that. didn't want that because they didn't want where they were shooting the American tourists. They didn't want that, whatever. So they changed it to where it is now in the movie where a dragon kills a sniper as he's right next to him. But Vaughn has said that he preferred, that's a better scene. You know, it, it's a nice scene when, it, when the, he shoots him. And the dragon's on him. Yeah. yeah. It didn't, I mean, I don't know where you're going from when they accidentally shoot that dude. No, it's yeah. a whole nother plot line. Yeah. Now. Yeah. No. So that's that, why it's that, four that makes pages. <laughs> I do like the scene when uh, he called Dragon calls Mr. X at the beginning and he's like, oh, why don't this is all just been a misunderstanding. Why don't you come down to my place? We'll have breakfast, have some coffee and talk it out. Oh, that's very nice of you. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do you know where I live? No. Well, why don't you fuck off? Yeah, I hang <laughs> the phone. But you think he'd figure it out, though, where he lives? Oh, yeah. I wouldn't have said that. To him. <laughs> Especially, you know, the next scene where he shoots the guy. So I'd be like, oh, oh, I'm done. I don't think I would say that to anybody who is walking around lopping off heads. For <laughs> yeah, he's known for. Yeah. <laughs> I think I would just kind of like, you know, be low key about that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you notice sometimes that the image got blurry? I don't know if it was. I watched this on Amazon Prime, but this was clearly shot two, three, five anamorphic, I think. Mm -hmm. And there was parts in the movie where it went to a wide and they were blurry. There was some stuff that not not blurry, but maybe just kind of like it was the, the view was or the perspective was skewed just a bit. Um, I can't remember the scenes specifically, but it's only maybe like three or four times. Okay. Yeah. I don't. Okay. It, those don't come to mind, but yeah, I, I didn't notice that. Okay. All right. It could be though. I mean, I got originally, I watched this on my DVD and then they absolutely cleaned up the picture for the uh, Blu-ray. Like it's definitely been restored. Right. So 
or worked on. I got you. So the, the picture is really good on the Blu-ray, but it's not how it was originally presented. So that's probably something they maybe were able to clean up a little bit more so it's less noticeable. Right, right, right. Okay, cool. That makes sense. I really enjoyed the use of color in this one. I don't know if that's something that kind of popped up at you, but the use of yellow in the movie okay, pops up a lot. What point? Uh, there's, I think there's some yellow when they go to find uh, Kiki in the drug house. Okay. But there's definitely yellow being used as the film starts to go. And as you go into Eddie Temple's, obviously, warehouse, there's some yellow. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some yellow toward the beginning. I think yellow is, for some reason, indicative of the drug world that they're in. Okay. And I, I always really, I liked that in the film because the film is done with kind of realistic lighting. It's, it's kind of gritty. Right. But there's always yellow in these scenes that seem to be maybe, maybe it's not even the drug scenes, just larger than life scenes because the sex scene is also kind of yellow. Uh, when, when with, between Mr. X and, and Tammy, Tammy in the yeah. hotel. Okay. So I, I don't know what that is. Cause also the, lo- the logo for layer cake and the original like DVD box art is yellow as well. I wonder, well, I, I, I didn't notice any m- maybe yellowing. I mean, I, I didn't, I did notice like gritty, like just, but like when they were in the beginning, when Duke and them are robbing the Serbs, is it the Serbs, right? The Duke is robbing the Serbs. Yeah. Uh, they drive through that plant greenhouse. Yes. So they have all the colors of the plants and all the uh, flowers that are there. Not flower greenhouse, excuse me. Uh, you know, I, that was, I thought that was a nice shot. I know that they shot that warehouse at the end that they shot is the biggest warehouse in London or something like, or wherever they were okay, of, right. of its okay. kind. So I don't know if they, they did that because it was a big warehouse and I guess they had to digitally put crates in the background because it was so empty. <laughs> so they had to digitally put stuff in there to make it look like there was stuff going on. Um, I don't know if that's just the way the warehouse was like it was yellow. Um, oh, I definitely, I definitely got the grit. Like you, it's definitely not uh, like Marvel clear. Like, you know what I mean? The palette oh, yeah, is definitely yeah. not that it's definitely more like um, a little rough, which is fine. I think that's the type of movie that it is. So you probably don't need to, you know, there's definitely some style to the grit that you're putting in there, but I didn't get the yellow, but I mean, that doesn't mean it's not there. Yeah, I just, just don't know what it, the yellow yeah. represents, but I'm sure it represents something. It just might be, you know, the he likes yellow and thought it was cool. <laughs> maybe they just, maybe they just opted for a specific tint for the movie in terms of just what it would look like. I mean, but when he's on the roof with uh, Eddie Temple, that's, that's like stark. Almost. Right. No, right. it's, it's a, the yellow only appears like, in terms of lighting or something on a character's clothes okay. um, in certain scenes. Right. Like other right. than that, yes, it's, it's kind of stark gritty. So is this your, you said this is one of your favorite movies. This is one of your top 10 movies. It might be really I, interesting. I will say that before I have something where I have to act in something um, like when we did um, scenes from the movies or I do a play or something, I do watch layer cake. Like, <laughs> watch layer cake to always, prepare for scenes for the movies. Well, well, in terms of acting, like I watch because all of these performers have really, I think this is one of the movies where everyone's pretty much spot on with their performance mm-hmm. and it's quick and it's fun, but it's something where like I can watch it and like be like, appreciate the acting and something. And so I kind of watch it to kind of be like something to inspire, uh, aspire to in terms of how well done the acting is. Is this where your love affair of, uh, um, Daniel Craig began? I will say that uh, when he was first announced as James Bond, his first James Bond picture was awful, and he's got brown hair and it's slicked and it's like. Well, just what do you mean? Really like, bad. there's a picture of? You mean like they, just like a still? They took a okay. still of him with uh, his classic gun and a tuxedo, like kind of like a promotion, as a promotion thing. shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and they okay. dyed his hair brown or black, Ew, why? and it's parted and gelled down, and uh, he hadn't bulked up yet, and it's just like an ill-fitting he is tuxedo. Super bulked up in these movies too. Oh yeah, yeah. But go ahead. 
so it's like I was like, oh, this guy can't be James Bond. This guy looks awful. This is going to be the worst <laughs> James Bond ever. So, but then you know the Broccoli's were like, or Barbara Broccoli and Michael Wilson were like, you know, we got him on this because we saw Layer Cake and it just really blew us away. He's a fantastic actor. Um, you know, obviously they were screen testing a bunch of people, and I had wanted Clive Owen to be James Bond at that point. He would have been a so good. James I was Bond. like, come on, man. But then when they said layer cake, so I went to the movie rental place. So back in the day, there were these places where you can go and rent DVDs <laughs> and movies. Uh, and I've never I saw, heard of these places. I saw it up on the wall uh, and I was like, oh, that's layer cake. So I got it and rented it. And I was like, damn, this movie's good. <laughs> and from then I was like really excited about Casino Royale. And I really liked Daniel Craig's acting. So I was, I was, I was all in on Daniel Craig after that. Uh, Daniel Craig has the luxury <laughs> of having good people behind camera for the James Bond movies this time around. I think, you know what I mean? Right. Like he's yeah. Got, they've got a, and they've got a good, it's almost his first three movies are supposed to lead up until like what you have, like, you know, the James Bond stories you remember. So they had a good right. plan, which is nice, which is, it's not just, you know, I mean, I would, I'd have no problem if they, and they, they do because they've got what they got Dr. No in the next one. Right. Potentially. Yeah. yeah I, don't I don't mind them re kind of remaking and rebooting the, the old villains Sons and stuff villains, like yeah. that, because why not? Everyone else does it. And, and I think it, of this will probably give an injection to the series, which it, it already has, but like, it, it'll be interesting how they go next time like who's the, the next, next james bond. bond yeah i just hope they don't copy that format what rebooting like another reboot of james no bond. i think you keep going you with keep the going, same yeah, story no matter who you have yeah, yeah. no no i got that that that's that's fine i mean i you can like i know that james bond is such a i guess the name itself is such a recognizable ip just the james bond name but like could you get away with doing movies within the James Bond universe, like 006 or 008 or whatever. Could I'm at, I'm not, I'm asking. I don't know. I know that they've, they've wanted to do spinoff films. I know that they were going to spin off Halle Berry's character Jinx into her own movie. Right. And that actually almost started filming that had a budget and everything and they were going to get going and they canceled it. Um, cause they were going to go with the new James Bond and they were just like, yeah, Pierce Brosnan's gone. So let's not do this. Right, right, right. And I know that there were talks about doing Naomi Harris's character of Money Penny and giving her her own movie at some point. Yeah, but Money, yeah, but they were very, fine. you know, just initial talks. I got you. I got you. But I, I, I'm sure it'll happen eventually. The whole thing is always building a universe now. Well, we, are, we already talk about Man of Man from Uncle and Napoleon Solo, uh, and how you know he was the initial, like he's in the one of the first books, uh, Fleming's books. Oh, right. Yep, so yep. why not just, you don't have to do Man from Uncle, but why not kind of remake that character and have that character have his own series? And then you can have him team up at some point. You could do that. Yeah. Everything's about building a universe now. And I'm, I know, I'm I know. sure this new movie with, um, I can't remember the actress's name, but she plays the new 007 who's replaced James Bond oh, because he retires. Right, he retired, There's right. no way that they're not thinking of going to see how audiences react to her and make her her own kind of female James well, Bond. Whatever. I don't I don't care. I'm I'm sure that's a spin-off waiting to happen. So that's I, what it's all about. What's funny is I don't know if that'll be a $250 million budgeted film, you know, her movie. I'd rather it not be. Yeah. The, if the James Bonds are like the big budget ones, why don't the other ones like low-key assassin stories? Sure. That sure. Are really like her character being all grit, just badass. $4 million films where it's just really, really cool, low budget. Right. I think that'd be fine. Right. So we've gone on a James Bond tangent, yeah, which sorry. we probably knew that was going to happen <laughs> at some point. Uh, so back to later. Where's my James Bond podcast? <laughs> that's, that's all you. <laughs> I did. Did you not? I thought we didn't see enough of crazy Larry. 
I think he's brought up a lot, but you don't really get a lot of. He's brought in to give some of the other characters something to do or something to talk about. Or well, he like shoots more stories. Yeah. Right. And, right, 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 no, right, Crazy right. Larry is the one that was shot a long time ago. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, that's and actually, it ended yeah. up being Gene who killed Crazy Larry, you know, years later. And yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. And it's played by. Um, <sighs> fuck me. I'm on it. I'm on it. Jason Fleming. Yeah, it's played, but he's and he, yeah. he's got no dialogue, or at least nothing that you see on screen. Because right, it's all right. Been I don't, I don't, I, I don't. It's maybe, maybe that's the um, prequel uh, to like that the the young Jimmy and young. That'd be a young cool Gene. thing too, doing one that takes well, maybe, a period piece gangster film. Maybe they had that idea. I mean, you kind of get that with Vaughn now moving over to the Kingsman series, and you've got now the Kingsman, which is a prequel to the King King. You know, like all that stuff. So, right. I mean, maybe they had that in mind. But yeah, there was a like that whole scene. Obviously, Crazy Larry is uh, he's gay, but he doesn't want anyone to know he's gay. And then you know, so he would like <laughs> rape and molest all the other. Yeah, I, they they kind of like breezed over like what it was exactly. But you got the idea that that guy that came in with the shotgun was his boyfriend, or he messed around with him and he couldn't take it. He blew his head off. Yeah. So, but then you, but then they're like, I want you to kill. But I think that was all set up to. That's how Morty gets caught. You know what right, I mean? That's how uh, Jimmy becomes. The leader of that part of the gang, right? So you, Gene steps up, right? So there is some other is stuff there to that. Again, I think there's a lot of. So this movie, I said, was what 105 minutes. It's it's it. Yeah, <laughs> you're. I mean, would you be okay with a two hour, two hour, ten minute movie? I'd be okay with it, but one of the things about Layer Cake is I think it, it moves so well. It's edited really well. It's slick, but it tells a story. So would that slow it down? I mean, I mean, as much as I'm interested in Crazy Larry's story, and I, they kind of just gloss over it. Would that then slow down the main plot of the story? Yeah, this story is Mr. X's story, right? And so that story is is probably more Jimmy's story or Gene's story, or the, you know, like Gene and Morty's story. Like Gene that's Morty, their yeah. story. Um, yeah. So I mean, I got, I think, like I said, like the movie's good enough where all these opening threads that we're talking about we overlook them because we're, we're good with the story we were told. Yeah. It's just that it kind of pops up, but I think that also it's like Morty leaving and just never reappearing for a while. Right. Right. More right. of that backstory might've helped that a little bit. Right. Right. I mean, they're never, they're not going back to this movie. This, this is it. It's one and done. We're not going to see this you know, film again. No, it's kind of just like the sequel should have happened sooner. It's all, if like, if you want to do the sequel, you almost have to remake layer cake, which Oh, don't do that. Well, how about this? We always talk about this. You could do it as a series. Well, yeah, if their series wants to redo this, absolutely, because then you can expand upon all that and you can do full episodes like your main story is Mr. X, but you have, you know, one or two episodes that are your flashback episodes yeah. that are young Gene and young Morty and young Jimmy and stuff like that. For yeah. sure. So you could definitely do that. And then, you know, which I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. I'm OK with that. Yeah. But don't redo it as a movie. No, 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 no. Uh, absolutely not. Did you know that? Well, I don't know if you know who Matt Ryan is. Matt Ryan's in the movie. The quarterback for the uh, Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> no, the guy who played John Constantine uh, on. Uh, oh, in the show. As, on the Which show, part yeah. is he in? The... He's one of the drug addicts in uh, Kiki's Drug. Den. I thought I thought one of them looks familiar because yeah. I was like, that guy looks really. Who the hell is that guy? And I looked it up. And I was like, oh crap, he's all drugged out. But it's definitely Matt Ryan. He's on the DC show too, right? Yeah, DC Legends. Yeah, he got on there. But I was like, oh, look at that. Is he still on that show? No, he just pops in and out if they need him. I think he just pops in and out, yeah. Gotcha. But he's, he plays a really good Constantine. It would have been nice to see him doing one that's more 
dark and more like the comics. Right, right. But I think he's a really good actor. He's an underrated actor who should be used more in other stuff. Maybe he can be in scenes from the movie season five. Oh, hey, look at that. <laughs> there is no season five. <laughs> oh. We were uh, we were we were dropped by Disney Plus. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've got I got nothing else to say about Larry Cake unless you do. No, I mean, I, I mean, we've kind of covered a lot. Yeah, um, I like the use of London in the film. I okay. like how they shoot London. Uh, that's something I, I did want to bring up because a lot of people shoot London. It's either you know wide shots because London's not a very filmic place um or at least according to some directors like uh sam mendy says that and even dana craig is filmic place in terms of they're not friendly for films it's tough to film it and be like that's london it's it's you can't like you film in new york and that's new york oh, you film okay. in la and or chicago so it's been gentrified <laughs> it's yeah or it's just a hodgepodge of different places and i think this really films london where it's like it's interesting and it's it but it's part of the character of the film and it's not, you know, it's, you're not filming in all pubs. You know, I actually don't think they go to a pub in the film. Or, oh, the crazy no. Larry's in a pub, but. Well, that's like a, that's like a set. That's probably like a, like a restaurant right. setting. Uh, the, the, the outside where Craig lives, where Mr. X lives, was that a set? Like, is that like a back lot? No, that's, that's, that's real. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. They shot in London. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Well, so, I mean, they use really interesting locations that you don't usually see. Yeah. The greenhouse stuff was in the beginning is good. They were down the wharf a little, um, with, uh, you know, when they're hiding out in the, in the warehouse, a lot of seedy kind of places. Right. Yeah. And Gene lives in a trailer. Or his <laughs> office is a trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, they only use, they use Jimmy's house, but it's only really the backyard they use kind of. That's got to be some producer's house. That they oh, were like, course. Hey, can we just have him watering those plants? Well, I guess one of the producers, the executive producer was Steven Marks and he's the, uh, this is why you see the FC UK, the French connection stuff in the beginning. Right. Yeah. Because uh, it's, you know, he was an executive producer, so they just used that stuff, he which is like, interesting. Cool. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. That is a cool shot. That's a really digital shot, but yeah. Of course. <laughs> that, is a, that is a cool sequence where he's like, eventually this will all be legal. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But that's the assassination of Jimmy is definitely one of those James Bond scenes where it's like, you can see how well, that's going to be. When they zoom out though, when they, when the shot and they zoom out. And he's in the set. Yeah. He's yeah. got his hood on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then obviously he's got the James Bond, you know, long gun. Well, there's one moment where he comes out like, of the of the bathroom when he pulls the gun up like that and walking down the hall. And yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. At that yeah. point you're like, oh, okay. I guess uh, even Matthew Vaughn had said in the commentary for this, like, you know, Daniel Craig wanted to be Bond yeah. uh, or wants to be Bond. And this was before he got cast. And it turns out, well, there you go. That's probably everybody, every, you know, action guy, you know, any Londoner, any English person that's coming up and you oh, know, yeah. doing those type of films. That's probably the, the role to get. That's the dream role. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I, I'd imagine that. Yep. Will, will the Ethan Hunt role be the role to get here? Because until Tom Cruise stops doing them. He's never going to stop doing them. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot on the moon, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's all I got for. Uh... <laughs> I just want, I want audio of Tom Cruise yelling at crew members on the moon because they're goofing off out on the lunar <laughs> surface. <laughs> Do you want to go out in space? <laughs> Do you want to lift off? I have had zero incidents on the moon. People since are getting here. irradiated out there, and you're back here smoking cigarettes like it's no big deal. <laughs> I see one more person turn on the jet to light a cigarette, I swear. <laughs> All right, Butler, uh, why don't you tell everyone about us? Uh, we're cool. All right, nice. All right. Oh, and so then join us next week. Oh. <laughs> oh, you want more than that? Uh, we are Forgotten Cinema. You are listening to us. This is the show. 
if you like this, you can hear over a hundred other episodes we've done at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Feel free to rate, review, subscribe. All that stuff really helps us out. So go ahead and do it. Even if you hate us, you know, reviews Who hates reviews. us? Oh, come on, guys. I don't know. Does anyone? Uh, we'll do the best we can. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, check us out there. We're also on the social medias. We post every week. We post a fun commercial every Thursday. Check those out. Uh, and join us next week as Forgotten Summer ends with a dud. I'm just kidding. It could <laughs> be a dud. No, I don't know. The Forgotten Summer is ending. We're doing. We're getting animated next week. We're doing Titan AE from 2000. Uh, I don't have a lot of memories of this movie, so uh, this will be interesting. I barely remember this movie. You picked it! Because it was a summer movie that no one There were others on the list you could have chosen. I remember that it was, people thought it was going to be this big new- I remember that. For adults and for kids. Big hype for it. Big hype for it. Yep. And I remember the plot being interesting, and I don't remember really anything else. I remember there's a goofy sidekick. Like, I remember there's some goofy, snarf-looking sidekick (laughs) in this movie. (laughs) Snarf, snarf. So, I do remember that, so- Oh boy, I'm not gonna look forward to. Watching I remember this. Earth blows up. That's all I remember. Well, that's because they're leaving. It goes. They're going to Titan A.E. Titan after Earth, right? After Earth is that what it's supposed to be? After Earth, sure. I, I don't sure. remember much oh of this movie. <laughs> well, that's next week. We're doing Titan A.E. to wrap up Forgotten Summer and get rid of this themed season, and and then head into for season ten. Ten. Oh God. Double digit seasons, doubling it up. <laughs> all right. So uh, thanks again, everyone. Thanks for listening. Uh, check out Layer Cake if you like. It's on Amazon Prime. That's where I saw it. Or you can go borrow. Uh, Butler's Brewery. Uh, his number is 203. <laughs> I'm Mike Fields. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. <laughs>